Hi, this is Anina Livingstone, and you are listening to my new podcast, Tending the Soul of Relationship. I want to welcome you by offering all of the interviews from my seven-week Clarity of Calling online course. This was the topic of my doctoral research based on my own struggles, curiosity, and passion for the topic. So if you're looking for more clarity, courage, or commitment as you tend to your calling, you've come to the right place. I've interviewed my most cherished mentors and respected colleagues to bring you this wealth of supportive wisdom. If you'd like to take the course in its entirety, feel free to go to my website at www.aninialivingstone.com where you can download the ebook and accompanying weekly guidance. I wish you all the courage and clarity you need to fulfill your calling so that together we can create a more vibrant world. Hello everyone, today we have the blessing of Julie Daly with us speaking about the beingness of calling. And I'm going to start with her bio, which is that she's a coach and a teacher of creativity and business and has worked in varied settings from one-on-one to groups and businesses such as Microsoft. She currently teaches creativity and leadership at Stanford University Continuing Studies. And she's taught and coached women and men who lost loved ones in 9-11 and with people who live in the beautiful town of Newton, Connecticut, who were directly affected by the tragedy that happened at Sandy Hook School. She guides individuals in creativity courses both in person and online and specializes in working with women and believes that we each have a blessing to give, which is sourced by a deeply instinctive creative force that emits power beyond measure. It is her blessing to guide others to the heart of this sacred creative nature to help others manifest with consciousness the world to the world the gifts that they were meant to give. So, hello Julie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and so in deep trust that you you are the one who carries deep wisdom here, so thank you. Mm. Yes. So I'd like to start, if you're open to sharing, since this course is about clarity of calling and it's from a very soul-centered perspective, it's always nice to hear people's own story or at least their own understanding of calling. So is there anything you can say about your calling, whether it's the doing level or the being level? But um, can we get to know you a little bit that way first? Sure, sure. You know, and using those words calling or purpose, I... I always, my brain can get totally wrapped up and mixed up with those words. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to speak from my heart and from my belly about it because I think they know better probably Mm -hmm. what what I'm doing here. Um, From a being place, my calling is about love and beauty Mm -hmm. and the erotic, sensuality, sexuality, deep feeling embodiment from a doing place it's about speaking about these things speaking about and teaching about writing about communicating about these subjects that many times make people uncomfortable what we might call taboos but that really are part of our wholeness that have not been spoken much about over the past centuries, or at least in ways that may not be so healthy and whole. Right. Beautiful. And I appreciate you 
um, acknowledging right away that it can get confusing to talk about calling and purpose and can get very heady or uh, kind of come out of the, the body. And so I love that you just dropped straight into your belly and shared with us from that place. And that's really a lot about why I want to address this topic in the first place, because there is that, there can be that split. And it's hard to put in words the beingness of calling. It's an experience, really, mm-hmm. at, the, mm-hmm. you know, at its base level. Um, right, right, which is exactly what we're going to talk about. All right, so maybe we can also just start with that in terms of, you know, how do you how do you speak to the beingness of calling when we are these, you know, we've got these different centers. We've got our head center, we've got our body center, our heart center. Or how people speak about it in different ways, but sure. how do you how do you address beingness of calling when we have these different places that need to understand them? Well, I, and, and I'm going to bring it into creativity, bring creativity in here because it's what I, it's, it's what I teach. And, and as I teach creativity, it's about essence. So our nature is creative, meaning our essential nature, which is our essence. What that energy that flows through all, all the parts of us. So it flows through the belly, it flows through the heart, it flows through the head. Mm. It imbues these parts with qualities that are unique to each of us. Essence itself, the way I teach it, essence, essence itself is oneness. So there are f- five main qualities that are of this oneness, oneness that come from a that comes from a Sufi source: strength, will, compassion, joy, and intuition. So those are qualities that are um, brought to our beingness here as humans, that are the same for all of us. And then on the level of soul, we each are infused with certain qualities of being that are unique to us. And we experience those when we are with other people. All we have to do is be with other people and we begin to get a sense of that calling from a beingness level. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, interesting. It's evoked, it's evoked in the presence of others. Yes, they are. It's, it's our life force moving through us, and it is unique for each of us. My life force, as it moves through this body, um, this soul that is, in my experience, has lived many times and perhaps even is imbuing multiple uh, incarnations. I, you know, that's just my sense. Um, but there's, there's qualities to this soul. So people mention when they're around me, they feel a sense of beauty. Not, you know, not, not the exterior beauty, but a, yeah. a feeling state of beauty, a feeling state of love, a feeling state of safety. So whatever it is I am doing in the world, if I bring my full self to it and I bring consciousness, and I am aware enough not to cover up myself because I'm afraid I'm not enough or I'm in a state of fear, which happens and that's okay. But Mm -hmm. if I'm conscious enough and I step forward even for this interview and allow myself to be experienced by others, then 
whoever's listening, whoever's with me, whoever's open to that will, will feel what I bring to this incarnation, mm-hmm. to this experience. Right. So it's very relational for you. Your not just calling, but your understanding of who you are comes partly from mirroring what other people experience in you and also what arises in you in the presence of others. It's a very relational experience. I, everything is relational. Uh-huh. How could it not be? You know, I mean, all the parts of the whole are in relation to each other. Uh-huh. Right. And yet in our culture, there's this very individualized kind of self-concept. Sure. And spin in our own mind about who am I, what am I here to bring, and forget that it's relational and forget the knowing comes from relationship. And I would include nature as the mirror as well as people, right? That Absolutely. When I'm in nature, I start to remember who I am. Yeah. Guess, yeah. yeah. So I think you're saying something maybe you take for granted. It's relational, but it's a great reminder for me and I think for all of us mm. listening that, mm. that calling is ecological it's a system right it's really absolutely everything is absolutely and it's even relational going back to your question about the mind and the heart and the belly Mm -hmm. that's even relational because my mind is in relationship with with essence you know my mind is 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 part of essence but is also very aware of the qualities that i bring forth my thoughts are aware of my heart that's been my experience. I do a meditation where I have people have their mind drop down into their heart, the heart drop down into the pelvic bowl, and the pelvic bowl drop down into the earth. So there's this relationality between these different aspects of our being, the three centers and then the earth. And for me and, and other people that experience it, when this overactive mind that's afraid really trusts the heart, mm-hmm. It can rest. Right. Mm-hmm. Same for the heart. The heart can be held by the, the belly, you know, by the, the deeply instinctual creative cauldron. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all can be held by the earth, which is always holding us always. So it seems as though every way I look at it, and I've done a lot of looking at it, it is relational. It's all relational. Yeah. Beautiful. So one other thing that came to mind as you were speaking, if we think about um, the beingness of calling, there's a couple different ways to explore that. And then I have an exercise we could do that I think would be helpful. Um, Even there's a, I, I live in San Francisco and I live near the Presidio and there's a bunch of different kinds of trees in the Presidio and they're in groves. So as you walk into these groves, you really experience the nature of that particular kind of tree because there are so many. One of them in particular is the eucalyptus grove where um, Woodline is, the Andy Goldsworthy installation. Mm-hmm. And they're these tall, beautiful eucalyptus. And when I walk into that grove, I can feel the qualities of calling that eucalyptus trees have. And I think it's, a, it's something we can all relate to, even if we're not totally conscious of it. If you walk into a grove of redwood trees or cherry trees, you know, they all have a different feeling 
quality to them that we experience in relationship to them. And while they might not be as active doers as we are as people, they are doing something. But as they do what they're doing, they're actually in a being state. Right. So it sounds like you're almost talking about the energetic layer of, of calling. Right. You stand in front of a tree and you feel the unique energy of a redwood, which is very different than the unique kind of energy of an aspen or a different tree, and that we, we forget, because we get wrapped up in these outer identities, that we, too, emit our own kind of energetic uniqueness, it sounds like. Is right. that what you're saying? Yes, yes. It's a quality of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, when I teach and I begin to teach about creativity, I always right off the bat, mention, you know, what kind of creativity are we talking about here? Because many people think it's about being artistic or talented in art. And I bring up these different experiences, um, like looking at a newborn baby's eyes. So right now, as, as you're hearing me say these things, just feel the experience of having done this in your life, looking at a newborn baby's eyes, smelling a rose, saying the right thing at the right time. Maybe executing the perfect dance step or tennis shot. Now being in the flow. Seeing a full moon on a crisp winter night or a gorgeous sunset. Can you feel the difference now just in our call? The quality of the experience of our call just shifted. Yeah, definitely drops. Well, I drop out of I drop out of my head, which is making sure I'm trying to keep track of our conceptual <laughs> conversation mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. into the body, and uh, and then there's a quiet and a rest, and a, and a business, a beingness that's not efforting anymore. Right, right. What are the qualities of your experience? What, if you had to give one single word to name the qualities, what are you feeling? I'd say spacious. Okay. Yeah, there's spaciousness, there's some peace. Yeah. Anything else? Um... Receptivity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So notice that you're putting words to qualities that you're experiencing, right? That's the best we can do to try to name this beingness. Yeah. So from this place, like making an intentional intention to speak from this place as opposed to pop back into my head, but I want to address something. Mm-hmm. Um, conceptual while remaining in some kind of connection with being. Sure. So, you know, I mean, the reason I'm doing this course is because people struggle with calling and it can be painful. Like, why the hell am I here and who really am I? And, mm-hmm. and so when we do this, what I notice is, you know, receptivity, spaciousness, peace. Those are human essential qualities that we can experience. Those aren't necessarily my particular essential gifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And so just like meditating, I'm going to drop in or taking a walk in the woods or different things will evoke different essential qualities, which may, again, be like peace or spaciousness or calm or groundedness. There's so many qualities we can drop into. And then our calling is like a mosaic of very you know, uh, very specific proportions of very, you know, specific kind of qualities. Like for me, there's vibrancy, there's joy, there's um, kind of an uh, almost ecstatic. There's something very, very alive and kind of wild that sometimes wants to come out. Yeah. And my, my calling in other moments, depending on the context I'm in, also um, may have to do with vision, clarity, preciseness, discernment, different things like that. And so I guess I want to just name that, that there are these soul qualities that we can all tap into. And then there's coming to know, like you said, eroticism, beauty, love, the ones that seem to be our particular emissions, you know, like the redwood. What does the redwood admit? What does Julie Daly admit? Right? Right. So I don't know what you want to say about that, but that's where that led me. Okay, well, let's do this exercise. It's a very short one, and, and I'm going to ask you to do it on the call with me, and then mm-hmm. people can do it as well as they're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, are you willing? Oh, yeah, I'm right here. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I always like to ask because I'm going to ask yeah, you no, something that's, that's personal. So, um, so just consider over the past week, maybe two weeks, Look back over your experiences and pick one that was most meaningful to you. You may have a couple show up, but just select one and let me know when you have it. Yeah. Okay, great. Now, do you have pen and paper handy? I do, and hopefully people are, well, maybe I will recommend that they have pen and paper ahead of time, yeah. so go ahead. And they can always stop the recording. and. Yeah. Yeah, Good. right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, And you can even do it without, but it's easier. So go ahead and write down why this experience was meaningful to you. And you don't have to share the whole thing with us, but just go ahead and write down why this was meaningful. Maybe one sentence or two. Mm -hmm. Now, take a look at your answer and ask yourself, why why is that meaningful? And write down your answer. And then take a look at the second answer and ask yourself, why is that meaningful to me? And write down your answer. And keep doing this recursive questioning until you get to one word. And when you have that one word, if you would share it with us, that'd be great. Uh, it came down to alignment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just get a sense of, as you say that word, get a feeling, sense of the feeling state that that word points to for you. I get an energetic state where I start feeling um, the crown of my chakra, all the energy going straight up, and um, that's the main thing that shows up. Okay, so that's the, that one word encapsulate why, encapsulates why that experience was so meaningful to you that you picked it out of all the other ones. Mm. 
Would you say that that's true, that that word actually captures it? Yeah, and it captures something. It captures the probably the essence of my work. In exactly. A way. So that's exactly. pretty Exactly. And when I do that, that's what happens. People say, oh, my God, that's the one word that probably encapsulates my work. Fascinating. Yeah, and it was a little bumpy. I was like, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. And then when you asked it to come all the way down to the last word, that was that popped up. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very simple exercise and very potent. It's very simple because actually when we're in the, when we're in the realm of the divine, it's pretty simple, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, and it's very potent because things are meaningful to us when we are on purpose, when we are living our calling. I mean, I just got goosebumps, right? That, that's what meaning, to me, that's what meaningful is about, is that somewhere in all of these things that I am, soul, spirit, human, <laughs> in all the different ways we can talk about ourselves, um, I know, I know when I'm aligned. I know when I'm living the qualities that I am. I can feel it. Yeah, so talk more about that. And just to know, you were breaking up a little bit there, so I don't know if you're moving around a little bit. but um, No, I'm okay. I'll, you're clear now. Okay. But I would love to, to hear about that. How do you know? What shows up for you? It's, again, it's a feeling state. And can, you, can you say more about that? I'd love people to hear like, what that means. Sure. How do you know in the body or how do you know in your energy? How, how do you know? I feel alive. Mm-hmm. I feel alive. I feel engaged I feel whole I feel I mean I'm in my body a lot yeah um but I best the best word to describe is alive I feel joy I feel joyful I feel like that sort of quiet joy that is is the quality of essence it's so I feel strong I feel vibrant I feel aware I feel awake and alignment isn't a word that would be one of the qualities of my calling you know so that's the other day I I did the same exercise with somebody and for her it was connection and then she goes oh my gosh that's the the soul of my work is connection so what it points to and in the mind can have a little bit of difficulty with this because of the way the, the nature of how the mind wants to define. But it, if you, if your mind will allow you to drop down into your body, your heart and trust that there is this deeper presence always. And we're trying to put words to something that words can't possibly capture but only point to. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why around this beingness of calling, it can always feel a little squirrely because we're trying to communicate to each other something that probably is so simple. We feel it all the time. Right. It, it's, it's pervasive. It's here constantly. So we're trying to name something that feels, actually feels almost, um, well, let me, let me just say one other thing. You know, sometimes calling, we're busy looking around for it when if you were to ask the people that are closest to you in your life, they could probably name the being state of your calling 
pretty easily. Because they're with you and they love you, right? They're in relationship with you. And it's so simple, we almost think that's just too simple. Right, and that brings up the way that we kind of compartmentalize. And most of us, including myself, often associate calling with work or even work that I get paid for, to be more specific. Like, what am I doing? What's my vocation? And the beingness of calling really asks us to tap into a level of calling that can happen in any moment, in any place. And that's a leap, that's a big leap um, when yeah. you move from at least the, the cultural way that we've kind of been trained to think about purpose. It is a big leap. It is a big leap. It's a big leap for that part of us that was conditioned to understand it differently. Right. But it's not a big leap for the soul. No. It's, it's sitting here going, <laughs> hello, hello, I've been trying to tell you this. Right. <laughs> you know, it's always been here. And I think what's, and I always go back to like, well, what's, you know, anyone who's signing up for this course, there's some place where they're, you know, they're excavating and trying to find, right, who am I? And I spent many, many years in angst about my calling, like Mm -hmm. obsessed about it and wanting to understand really what my calling was and, and wanting to manifest it and all those things. So, you know, up against clarity and up against courage and like you know trying to break through those thresholds and um, so I wanted to share a little story because it's kind of illustrates a little bit about the mind does need a little something but it has to come from the soul to really satisfy so um, I was very confused about my calling because I had different impulses like I was very interested in racial healing Uh, I was interested in mother-daughter work um, I hadn't fully stepped into the calling work yet, and I was speaking to Bill Plotkin, who works with calling through um, eco-psychology, through working on the land. And I was in one of those moments of like, you know, what do I do? Like the doingness, right? How, what do I put out in the world? I'm confused. And he asked me, well, what's the same about, you know, your interest in racial healing and mother-daughter work? And f- I was blind to it. And I appreciate the wisdom he had at the moment. He didn't fill in the blank for me. He just left me with that. And um, it wasn't at that five-day retreat. It was one, maybe six months to a year later that I was sitting down in the circle. It was five minutes before the end of the, the retreat. And up arose in my mind the words, tend the soul of relationship. Mm. And in that moment, I knew that everything I was interested in was held within that. It didn't matter if I was doing mother-daughter, racial healing, uh, connecting with our calling, connecting with the earth. It was all about relationship. And so ever since that time, I have felt a peace because the beingness aspect of my calling revealed itself in a way that my mind could relax and that I could see it and experience it in any moment, whether I was cooking for my children or anything I'm doing. And um, yeah, and so I just wanted to share that, and that's and that's beautiful. my wish for people because I do feel that the the mind the mind is hungry, and we can't really feed it with anything other than the deepest truth for it to really be able to let go. Yes, yes, so. that's beautifully beautifully said. What a beautiful story. 
Mm, thank you. Beautiful story. And I and and I love his work, and I think that was, you know, what is in common, which sort of goes to the same exercise as the most meaningful thing, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to look at many different experiences and that are meaningful for you, many of them would come up with that same word. So Some would, again, I don't know what's happening, if it's a he- hmm. headset, but it's getting a little garbly. Huh, I don't know. I'm in the same place. You let me are. hold it. Okay. Let me hold it right by my mouth here and see. I won't move. <laughs> Don't I'll, move. I'll just breathe. The soul doesn't <laughs> like to be rigid. <laughs> yeah. So let me see if this will help. Let me know if you get that okay, again. So far, so far, so good. Okay. Yeah. One other thing that I, one other way I can speak to this is I do another exercise. It's a really wonderful exercise about writing down all the things that you love to do and the things you hate to do. So you take maybe 10 to 15 of each, and then you look for the qualities. Now, when I give it to students, so I have maybe 30, 40 qualities that I list out that they can choose from, like connection or beauty or joy, um, creativity, power, freedom. So there are many words that you can you know, pop out. And then you begin to circle the words that are present when for each of these things you love to do, and they're really things that you love to do. So we're focusing on the doing state. And the things that you hate to do, these qualities are absent. They're missing. Mm -hmm. It's another way to get to a cluster of words that point to this calling through beingness. Because when you're doing some, like, like I, if every time I get to do this exercise, the very first thing on the top of my list is feeling warm breeze on my face. Hmm. That is something that immediately brings me so present, brings my soul so present. And the qualities of that are softness and freedom and energy and, and love. Now, somebody else might love to have the wind on their face and they might have different words that they experience. But if you cluster those enough and you have 10 to 15 of each, you begin to really get the sense of your beingness of calling. Mm. And it comes out of doing what we love because we love those things for a reason. They're not things we're conditioned to love. They're things that we truly love doing. And sometimes that can take a little work to get down a level to the things you really, really love. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason we love them. And it's not a selfish thing. You know, there's some stuff going around that I've seen where people are writing about, well, is it, is it selfish and privileged to be able to do what you love for a living when so many people in the world can't? Well, if we really genuinely love it, then essence is being expressed. And I think we need more of that in the world. We need more joy. We need more intuition and strength and, you know, and, and will. So really allowing yourself to at least first, A, look at the things you love, notice what they bring forth in you, and then making a commitment to do those things. Mm. So that when you do those things, you begin to experience more and more of your own being state, true being state. And then 
when you know what that is, you begin to bring that into the things that you do in your life, even things that you would say you don't necessarily love, but that truly support your work in the world. So the more you bring those qualities forward through you, the more you're actually being the vessel for your soul to do what it's meant to do in the world. Right. Yeah, and and can you speak a little to that in terms of, um, say you're stuck at a job at the moment that you're not happy in and doesn't evoke your essence qualities. Um, how do you work with people who feel a little bit stuck? Yeah. Well, I think that I think you you are doing a great job to begin with with really helping people see that calling is something more than a work and b what we do. That that's the first step is to really get the depth of what calling is. Because many times when when we believe it's just our work and we're not enjoying the work, we stop bringing our whole self to what we're doing. And maybe perhaps when we get home and we're happy, then we suddenly bring our whole selves again. So the challenge is to bring your whole self even when you don't love what you're doing. Can you find a way to love it? That's the first question. Is it supporting something in the world that I must have? So if in the meantime, it's helping you pay the bills, support your family, you love those things, you love your family, you love supporting your family, then that's a way to love what you're doing, even if the actual doing this is not in your top 15 of what you love to do. Yeah. Right? Is there a way you can honestly find that it's supporting what you love? A very important question. If it is not supporting anything you love, if you can't find any way, to me that's a real clear sign you're not where you should be. If there's no way that it brings forth anything that feels like soul qualities, then it's the time to really consider changing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it may be that you're, that we are where we are even if we're not happy for a while because we are bringing something that that situation needs through our essential nature through our soul as we do that work perhaps that workplace needs to be filled with our qualities of essence our qualities of soul maybe those are missing right Uh uh-huh so by us actually living them, the situation changes. Right. Yes, yeah, so and starting, starting from the inside and working out. Right, right. And many times, you know, it's, this is just something that's become very clear to me, is that so much that's not being lived, we don't see in the world right now. And we don't see it because we're not living it. Hmm. Say more. I'm not sure I completely get it. Sometimes it's a switch. If um, I don't know how to articulate the, this the best. It's sort of new for me to speak, speak about. But if you look out in the world, we can see many qualities of wholeness that aren't 
out there. A lot of a lot of beauty, a lot of um, gratitude, um, reverence, and perhaps those things we don't see or we don't feel in our world right now because we're not living them. Right. It's not for us to wait till somebody else lives reverence and love. What if we begin? Right, and that, again, takes it out of just my work environment. What if in the morning I wake up and I greet the sun or whatever it may be for each person, something that creates, like you said, reverence and, that, and honoring that we're doing something of value and that we, don't, we can't know what the impact is, that it's not going to be a linear experience, but that we trust that by, by bringing what what's true for us, if reverence is deeply important for us, that one reverent act a day, trusting that there's something of deep value in doing that. Absolutely. One reverent act a day, absolutely. And the being state of reverence. Mm-hmm. Living that. Right. Feeling that move through your body out into the world. Because, you know, consider like the eucalyptus trees, if they actually had the opportunity to, to, if they could say, you know, I'm not going to really live eucalyptus because it doesn't feel like it's safe in the world to live that, then we wouldn't be able to experience that. Well, you just hit on a really key point, which is feeling safe in the world to live our calling, which is huge. And that's why, you know, calling will always, always call forth courage. Um, yeah, there's yeah. no way it won't <laughs> bring us to our edge of courage. Yeah, and, and that kind of makes me want to also bridge to this other piece about, um, you know, a lot of the reason I think we stay out of the beingness of calling is because we're trying to compensate for some sense of I'm not enough. And so I have to, mm. I have to put on either a, a particular way of acting or doing or proving are worse in the world. Um, you know, the most obvious ways our culture supports us in doing that is status symbols, whether it's our clothes or our car or our home or, you know, all those things that say, oh, you have value. So to, to really move to the beingness of calling also can bring us face-to-face with holes in ourselves that feel empty and worthless and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, to back off from those compensatory actions that we might do. Can you say anything about that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Really, really good point. Very wise. And I I think it comes, my first initial thing I would say is that it comes to identity. Are we identify, what are we identifying as? Are we identifying as part of those psyches that, part of our psyche that is, that doesn't feel whole. If it's a part, it's not going to feel whole. So you know how the psyche is all these different disparate parts that somehow got separated. And if we are looking through our eyes as a separated part, we're going to feel a sense of of not-enoughness and not whole because that's how that part sees itself in relationship to the world. Mm -hmm. 
but this but essence we keep going back to essence right what we really are is whole and when you are living that essence state and you are you know you are that essence state not even a, when you know you are that es, when you know you are essence it's hard to even put words to it right mm-hmm. it's not a state it's like it's imbuing everything you're doing and there's no it's whole or a part isn't even a question enough or not enough isn't even a question it just is it's i know it sounds esoteric and i know that sometimes isn't the most helpful practical thing but if we don't feel enough my experience has been is that i'm looking through the eyes of a part that is separate And somewhere we know instinctively inside, because there's so much wisdom in the system, we know that's not true. We know we don't feel enough because it's like, wait a minute, if I'm really whole somewhere, my experience right now is of not enoughness. That's telling me something. Not enough of what? Of the whole. Yeah, and so what would you say? So say say this is new for somebody. Yeah. Right? Just, you know, because we've got a full continuum of people listening. Maybe there are people who this whole even idea of essence is like kind of abstract. What can you say anything about an entry level or um you know, how does how do we make this not conceptual and like something how can we feel our essence? Is there something we can do? Well, I think we, I think we, I think we do more often than we realize, mm-hmm. right? Um, in those unguarded moments when we are in nature, or we're doing something we love, or we're with somebody we love, mm-hmm. or well, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, we're whole. When we're not thinking about who we are, we're whole. So just consider again over the past week when you've had those moments where it's not even entered your mind that you're not enough. Right. Probably more moments of that than when you think you're not enough. But the moments when we think we're not enough, suddenly we go, oh my gosh, I'm not enough, right? There's like an alarm that goes off. And then that colors everything we do, and we get into the mood of not enough. It's actually a mood state almost, mm-hmm. right, where it continues for a while because there's this great fear, that, and somehow we've gotten separated. So again, I will go back to the things you love. Right. Go back into the qualities of experience that bring you back into wholeness we started out the call where i mentioned the kinds of creativity and you said you felt spaciousness spaciousness isn't about not enough mm-hmm. right so we go back into these things where we come back into the experience of ourselves as something other than who i think i am right, I'm, tr- right I'm trying to go to a, a simple state um Oh, I hear it's it's in our daily living, and uh, mm-hmm. it can become it can become very lofty. Of course, this is the stuff of all spiritual traditions, and of course, there can be a lot of longing and grasping for these states. But what you're saying, what I hear you saying, is actually we have them way more than we may realize, 
And it's a matter in part of just starting to track and look for them. Like, oh, wow, when I cook, there's some harmony that comes over. This is not my personal experience. I don't know where this (laughs) example is coming from. But, you know, that some harmony and creativity wants to pour through me, and there's love that gets poured out on the table, you know. Right. So I love right. that you're grounding it in dealiness, in simplicity, and um, they, that you don't have to go off to some monastery, cave, wherever it may be, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what all teachers, I know that's what my teachers have told me, you know, at the end of the retreat. They're like, now go live this. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always been right here. And, and part of, I think part of the journey for many of us, if not most of us that are exploring this, it, it may take going off to do those things to find it here, right? That's not a bad thing. That's, that's sometimes what we need to do. That's so it, important. That's so true. I mean, I, that's what's very true for me. I many, many times away, and especially for me in nature, and some people it's meditating and, and whatever it may be for you, dance. Um, you know, but I think it's important to know we do need to, we need to go resource, we need to go remember, we need to be reminded. And the more we are able to do that in whatever way works and awakens us, then we can bring that more and more to those, to our life. And again, bring the beingness of calling, you know, where there's not some heavy-handed expectation of some grand thing that we're supposed to do here and some six-figure income we're supposed to create. Out of it, <laughs> is, you know, my problem with, with this whole purpose conversation in the culture right now is that it, yeah. it becomes very grandiose. And, uh, and yeah. each of us are walking with, with beauty, and each of us are walking with something that is needed, you know. And, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm that's I'm glad you said that because it's been it's been my experience um that every time I start to get into the place of where I think I have some big grand thing I'm supposed to do and it's happened over and over and over it's like a a broken record I fall back into it right it starts to feel really hard it feel, i start to feel like sisyphus you know pulling pushing the boulder up the hill it's because it's an impossible thing actually we're trying to get ourselves to do and i call it the project that's what i finally named it and oh, it, to me it feels like you know when you go to the dentist and they're taking your x-rays and they put the big apron on you yeah that's what it feels like to me that's a good somatic reference, isn't yeah. it? And uh-huh. then when they take it off when they're done, you sort of go, ah. But it's not heavy enough that it actually breaks your back. You could get up and you could walk around in it, right? But it's exhausting. Yeah, that's interesting. So the project. So I would just make that the project with a capital P in my in my world because I work with something from Bill Plotkin who talks about practices and projects where the practices are the things that connect us with our essence and with our purpose that come from the mystery. Mm. And the project is where we infuse them. So we allow however our unique way to tap into the mystery, however we've been informed, that we continually bring a thread into the world. And, and so like you said in the beginning, speaking is the way that you thread all these beautiful essence qualities into the world, whether it's writing or speaking or teaching, that's your small P projects right, that right. you weave into the world. And so we need this, this dance between the mystery, the unseen essence, 
and the world, and that it's really like a figure eight on its side, an infinity sign, that it's a, it's a dance back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes when we're out in the world too long, we'll get all dried up and feel like we've got that lead on us, and we need to resource again to even find out, well, what's the next step that comes from essence, not the one I think I'm supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yes. And, you know, you can literally, if you feel like you've got the big um, x-ray mm-hmm. thing on, whatever they call yeah, it, the apron, if you feel like you've got it on, you can actually take it off. Yeah. And and that brings up a whole new thing. I sometimes have clients do that. It's like, so are you willing to take it off right now for this call or whatever it is we're doing together? And and you can there's sort of sometimes like two to three seconds of contemplating the question, and then it's like, okay. And I'll say, so put it, set it aside as far as you feel comfortable setting it aside. If you want it within reaching distance, great. You know, because it's actually a protection even though we don't see it that way necessarily right off the bat, it's, it's a form of protection because without it, we feel much lighter and more free, but we also feel more vulnerable right. and we're in a place of simplicity. So it's amazing how sometimes we deal with not enoughness by putting on complexity. Mm. Yeah. So that's something that you can actually do as a practice. Do I have the project on? Um, right. Let me take it off. How am I feeling in this situation? You know, even at work, if I'm feeling stuck and I'm feeling like I don't like it here, can you take off the project that's telling you you have to be a certain way, you have to be superhuman, you have to be perfect, whatever your project's about, can you just be you? Mm. How would that feel different to be at a, at a job that you're not so happy and just being you? Right. That can shift things tremendously. Yeah, just not just what you're doing, but how are you showing up? Yeah. Yeah. And am I pushing? Am I pushing? Because somehow I think I have to save the world or I have to be the one that dots all the I's and crosses all the T's. Mm -hmm. That can be a heavy load because then actually we're pushing so hard that soul can't really flow through us. We're actually clogging the, the, um, the hose, so to speak. Well, that's great. I really appreciate that. And we are headed towards the end of our time. And I just, I always like to end with just, you've given so many incredible exercises. So I don't know that we even need to do that. But if there's anything left that kind of arises in this moment that you want to share about what you, you know, something you'd want to leave people with. But like I said, you've given us so many. Um, well, yeah, you know, I think one thing you could do that I, I've never mentioned this before, but I think it's actually a great idea. It came to me um, is to is to actively go out and be with the people that well, be with whoever it is that draws you to do this exercise with them. And you don't have to actually do it. They don't have to know you're doing it, but start to notice people's qualities of essence qualities of soul. What qualities do you feel when you're around people? Now, if you're around people that are maybe uncomfortable or angry or different things, you're going to pick up on different things. You're not going to necessarily have their pure infusion of soul, what you're experiencing. But you could start with people that you really love or you're comfortable with, like your spouse, your partner, your children, your parents, your friends. and just Yeah, your animals. Your animals? Yeah. yeah. Just sit and experience them. 
what am I experiencing? And then you can start to do it with yourself. You know, what's, when I'm just sitting with me, when I've taken off the project, taken off the cape, whatever it is, what qualities are here? You can also ask your friends, right? What qualities do you experience when you're around me? Because most of the time we think that we're actually not showing up as we are, but we're pretty much showing up as we are, and people know it. But they may not have had time. They may not have ever articulated it to you. Right. Good. Those are really simple, sweet ways to enter the inquiry. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. You're so welcome. What are you doing out in the world that you want to, you're doing this part <laughs> that, <laughs> that maybe people can hook into and know about? And I'd love to, you know, if you'd share your website and all that. Yeah, right now my website's Unabashedly Female. That's been my website for a number of years. And then I'm going to go back to juliedaily.com and I'm going to be changing that from what it is right now. I'm um, teaching in a number of places. I teach online. I teach at Stanford. I'm going to be teaching in France in a month, which is exciting for a women's leadership conference. But one-on-one, my coaching is going to be switching. I'm going to be coaching as part of a coach for Future Shapers, which is fairly new. And what I'm going to be offering one-on-one with people is just a single session to do exactly this, to... It's, it's going to be called the opening and just really an opening into who you are and the qualities that you bring forth in whatever area of your life that you're interested in. And then I've also got a new offer at some point. It'll be out in the world uh, called Writing Raw. It is for women specifically. It may be uh, for both or for all genders at some point, but really writing as a practice that's unedited, uncompromised, um, that brings forth what it is we're talking about, these qualities. Right. And you have a blog that people can also subscribe to. Yes, on Unabashedly on Female. Yes, okay. a blog and a newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe just spell your name um, out would be helpful. Sure, Julie, J-U-L-I-E, daily, D-A-L-E-Y. Okay. It's not the most common, so I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. Good. Well, you know, I'm a, a great believer in you and your work, and I love that you are a resource now for anyone in this Clarity of Calling course. Mm. So deep, deep gratitude. That was beautiful to share with you, and um, I look forward to our next time to connect. Thank you. Actually, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're doing this. I think it's such important work. Mm-hmm. really important work because as you alluded to in the beginning we do we we want to know what this is because i think ultimately even this crazy monkey mind wants to serve yes right <laughs> we want to serve so we do yeah thank you okay